Once again, good morning. Can I have you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6? If you're new with us, we've been working our way through the book of Ephesians here at Calvary on Sunday morning. And the last major section we finished was in chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, a section that we called God's Design for a Spirit-Filled Marriage. And we call it that because the whole passage is built upon Paul's admonition in verse 18 of chapter 5, where he commanded us as believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we have pointed out before, the Greek is literally be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. The idea of being filled with in the Greek means to be controlled by, which means you are to be submitted to. God will not force you to be led by him. He won't force you to do his will. God will do for you all that you really desire him to do. He will fill you and use you and empower you for the work he's called you to do if you desire him to do that. If you want to be rebellious, self-willed, doing your own thing, well, there's too much of self in you for God to fill you with the Spirit. So you got to die to self, let all that stuff get removed, and then he will fill you and control you with the Spirit. And folks, marriage is tough enough without trying to do it in the power of the Spirit. We need that power and strength, right? Now, after Paul finished addressing the responsibility of husbands and wives to obey the commands that God has given to them in marriage, he continues on to the first four verses of chapter 6 by, first of all, admonishing children to obey their parents. And then from that point, in verse 4, he then admonishes or addresses the uh, fathers primarily, but also mothers are in view, uh, addresses them with regard to their responsibilities in bringing up their children. And of course, we know that that would mean in the ways of the Lord. And so we called the prior section of chapter 5, God's design for a spirit-filled marriage, and we are calling this section, the first four verses of chapter 6, God's design for a spirit-filled family. And it really begins in the first three verses with God's command to children. Let's read them. Paul said in Ephesians 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. So God's command to children is very simple. Children, obey your parents. Now the word children there is a Greek word, techna, and it doesn't mean a small child like an infant or a baby. That would be the Greek word paideia. The word techna is more of a broad term, and it means refers to any offspring. So in that regard, all of us are children, right? However, in this context, what Paul is really looking at, and the idea he is really stressing is any child still living under their parents' roof, under their parents' authority, whether they be a small child or a teenager, they are to respect their parents. God says they are to obey their parents. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that once they become adults and they move out, they can disregard everything, everything their parents say or uh, treat them with contempt, as some young people do. I mean, uh, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon said in chapter 23, verse 22, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. And I just believe that if a child is taught to respect, honor, and obey their parents when they're young, it will be a habit that will carry them through the rest of their lives. 
you know, even when they get older and they grow up and they get married and move out, they will still, you know, honor and respect their parents' advice, even if they don't always follow it. And that's fine. Because, you know, as an adult, you have to do what you feel God's leading you to do. Sometimes we parents, we give you input and we think we're doing the right thing, but, you know, God is speaking to you clearly. And so you respect your parents' input, listen to what they have to say. They've lived on the earth longer than you have. You know, not everything they say is ridiculous or foolish or out of touch with things. Listen to what they have to say, respect their advice, pray about it. But in the final analysis, if you feel you need to do something different, then by all means, follow God. Now, Paul says, children, and then he says, obey your parents. The Greek word for obey there is hupakuo, made up of two Greek words. Akuo is the Greek word to hear, and the preposition hupa, which means under, but under in the sense of authority. What Paul is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is, children, get under the authority of your parents and listen to and obey what they're telling you. In fact, that Greek word hupakuo is used often in the New Testament to refer to a soldier obeying orders, is the idea. Look, in God's economy and kingdom, God has ordained that parents are in charge and that children are to respect and obey their parents. This comes as a revelation to some people today. It's amazing to me how upside down this has become in our society. Well, you have so many families where the kids are running the show. The kids are in charge. The parents are following behind the kids, whatever you want, sweetheart, whatever you want to do, activities all throughout the week, no time for God, no time for church, running from one thing to the next because the children want to do these things. They need to have all these wonderful experiences. I'm not against you doing things with your kids. I enjoy doing things with my kids, but there is a balance. The kids are not to run the family. They are not to make decisions for the family that impact their future. That's what you're there for. You're to keep things on track. You're to make sure that you honor God with your family and your kids see that you honor God. When they get bigger, they're going to want to honor God with their lives. So God has ordained this. Parents, you're in charge. It's not a democracy. It's a, it's a benevolent dictatorship in your family. You know, some parents in the name of I don't know what, you know, and I've heard parents say this, well, when we have to make an important decision, we have the whole family around the table and we vote on it. Well, isn't that democratic? It's not very biblical. I'm not saying that the kids can't ever give input, but the kids do not have an equal vote on the house Bored, you might say. You parents are in charge. And God expects you to make decisions that affect not only your lives, but the lives of your kids. So children are to obey their parents. And Paul reinforced this in Colossians 3, verse 20, when he said, Children, obey your parents in all things. Listen, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, I realize that we are living in a day when a lot of families are in big trouble and we see a lot of abuse by parents uh, against children uh, and I know that some might be thinking you might be sitting there thinking to yourself yes but you know what if the parents are abusive or what if they're immoral what if they're drug addicts or they're alcoholics are children then supposed to still obey their parents in everything 
Well, Paul had that covered when he said here in verse 1, Children, obey your parents, what? In the Lord, right? Now, that's a twofold thing right there. When Paul says, first of all, that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, I believe what he first has in mind is that when you obey your parents, as God has commanded, you're really obeying the Lord. Because he has delegated that authority to your parents. It's kind of like when Paul would later on tell us that we are to serve our masters. Well, they were slaves back then. Maybe we still are. But, you know, we are to serve our employers with all our heart. Doing it is unto the Lord, right? The idea is when you have a job and you work at a job, uh, Peter says, don't do it as men pleasers, only when the boss is watching. But when he's not around or she's not around, you go ahead and keep doing your best because the Lord is watching and he's the one that you want to please. Do it for him. And so Paul is saying here to children, look, obey your parents in the Lord. In other words, you know what? Don't just serve them or do what's right when they're watching. But when they're not around, do what's right because you're doing it for the Lord. Secondly, though, I believe what he has, has in mind here is that we children should obey their parents in all matters, which, of course, are in accordance with God's will. I know that Paul was also dealing with this whole idea of children living in homes where maybe the parents were not Christians. We're seeing a lot of young people getting saved today, and their parents are not saved. And so now the kids want to go to church, they want to read their Bibles, they want to do what's right, and sometimes the parents, because they're not Christians and they're ungodly, might be telling the kids to lie at certain times or maybe even steal or something else. And what do you do in a situation like that? Well, Paul says, look, obey your parents as long as they, they don't tell you to violate your conscience towards God. Now, what if they tell you to do something sinful or immoral? Well, I believe Paul is saying that you must say to them, I can't do that, but do it in a respectful way. Don't get in their face. Don't be defiant. Just say, Mom and Dad, I'm a Christian now. I cannot do those things anymore. And be willing to suffer the consequences. You say, well, what if they're abusive and they start slapping or beating this kid? Well, call the authorities. That's a whole different subject. A child should not have to be abused by anyone. So that's a different subject. But right now, we're talking about home situations where, you know, children, you know, are not being abused, but maybe the parents being unsaved are asking them to do some things that are not right still and the children need to obey God rather than man in this situation their parents in this regard now after Paul gives children God's command to obey their parents he then goes on to give them four reasons why they should obey first of all he says because it's right verse 1 children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right why is it right? Folks, very simply, it's right because God says it's right. All of God's commands are right or they're righteous. And they always need to be obeyed even if we don't feel like it because by doing what God has said, not only is it right, well, we're going to find out in a minute, it's beneficial for us. But listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 19, verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalm 119, verse 128, the psalmist said, Therefore all your precepts, O Lord, concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. And then in Hosea, there's just 
three of many we could have read. But Hosea 14, verse 9. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. You know, in our culture today, many have abandoned the idea of moral absolutes and are embracing instead moral relativism. You know, the idea that my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. You know, if it works for you and it feels good, it's okay to do. This philosophy has brought us to a period in our nation's history not unlike the period that the nation of Israel entered into during the time of the judges, which was one of the blackest in their nation's history, a time that is summed up, I think, five, six, or even seven times in the book of, uh, the book of Judges with these words, there was no king in Israel, therefore everyone did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. There was no king in Israel at that time, no sovereign ruler, and I think of America, a nation that was founded upon God and His Word. A nation that we call ourselves a nation under God, right? And yet we're really not a nation under God anymore. We are not a nation that is conscious of God's laws, of God's commandments. We are not a nation that seeks after righteousness. We're not a nation that wants to obey our Heavenly Father as His children, even as Paul admonished earthly kids to obey their earthly parents. We are a nation today where everyone wants to do whatever seems right in their own eyes. We give God lip service. Many people go to church. They even read the scriptures. But when it comes down to making important life decisions, guess what? They tend to do what feels good or what makes them happy and not really what God has said. There is no king in America. God is not on the throne. And therefore, everyone is doing whatever seems right in their own eyes. And people like it that way. And because they want to do whatever they want to do, and they don't want anybody opposing them, then naturally they're not going to want to oppose anybody else in what they want to do. So you have this kind of an attitude, you know, you accept me, I'll accept you, it's cool, man, everything is all right, you know? That's the general attitude of our age. And so today we hear a lot about tolerance in our country and acceptance and inclusiveness and love which the world defines basically as accepting whatever people want to do, however they want to live, because to speak out against immorality and sin, you know, means to be judgmental, bigoted, self-righteous, and unloving. We are living in a moral freefall, folks. We have severed ourselves from the anchor of God's absolute truth, and now we have set ourselves as a nation adrift in a sea of moral relativism. And guess what? We're being slowly taken along by this prevailing philosophy of our day, over the falls, it seems like. We're being carried away. It's like the guy in the canoe, right? That didn't realize his rope had come undone from the dock and fell asleep in this thing and it's taken him very quietly and silently towards the falls where he was going to certainly die. We are being moved along by the current of this world. The very thing Paul said in Ephesians 2, we were not to do anymore. At one time, he said, we were like dead fish just floating with the current of the world. But now that we are alive in Christ, we are to stand against the prevailing attitudes and morals and philosophies of this world system. We are to live for God. We are to stand for His truth. You know, God's truth, again, is like an anchor to our souls. It, it's a rock that we can build our eternity on, not just our lives. And when people don't have that, they're building their lives on shifting sand. No wonder everyone's life seems to be coming apart. It's because... 
They have built them on the wisdom of man and not on the word of God. So God's law, God's word is right. The Greek word is dikaios, and it refers to that which is correct, just, and righteous. In other words, that which is exactly as it should be. And that's what Paul is saying. He's telling children to obey and honor their parents because to do so is dikaios. It's right. In other words, it's exactly as it should be. One author put it this way. He said, It is a basic principle built into the very structure of family life that those who are immature, impulsive, and inexperienced should submit to the authority of parents who are older and wiser, end quote. That's just the way it should be, right? This idea that don't get me wrong, please, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. You have organizations, and we'll talk, I think, a little bit next week about this, that are pushing for children's rights to the point where if a child doesn't like what their parents are doing or how they're letting, they don't ever let me have any fun. So I'm going to divorce my parents. You ever heard of that? This is a real thing. Children are able to divorce their parents today because we are giving kids the right to make their own decisions, and if the parents will let them make their own decisions, they can actually divorce their parents to do what they want to do. And this makes sense in the minds of some people, the very people that are pushing this nation over a cliff, really. So for children to obey their parents, the first reason why that that is good is because it is right. Secondly, it's scriptural. In verse 2, Paul said, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise and for that Paul is quoting out of Exodus 20 when God first introduced his law in Exodus 20 he gave to Israel the Decalogue we know it as the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments were divided into two parts or two tables the first table consisted of four commandments that dealt with man's relationship to God the second part of the second table contained six commandments that dealt with man's relationship to his fellow man now in moving from the first table of the law that dealt with their relationship to God into the second table of the law that dealt with their relationship to one another, the very first commandment that God gave was for children to honor their fathers and mothers. I want you to notice that this is the only commandment out of the ten that spoke directly to how the family was to function. And it's very interesting to me that God didn't elaborate more on this in light of how important it would be to the overall health of the nation. He just states it very matter-of-factly. Children, obey or honor your fathers and your mothers, which means to respect and obey them. The reason that God didn't say more than this was because nothing more needed to be said. I mean, this one commandment was all that was needed. It was the key, really, to all other relationships in society. Because if a person grows up with a sense of obedience and discipline, reverence and respect for his or her parents, guess what? They will respect all authority when they get older and they will be able to make any human relationship work. It all starts there. I don't have to tell you guys that rebellion is a cancer that is eating away the fabric of our society. And of course, it starts in the home with rebellion against parents. If respect for authority doesn't start in the home, with children honoring, respecting, and obeying their parents, when those kids grow up, guess what? They won't have any respect for their teachers, for police officers. They will rebel against the laws of society, and, of course, ultimately, they will live in rebellion against God himself. 
Now, God knew this was such a critical issue, issue for the health and continuance of a nation that listen to what he said in Exodus 21. In fact, why don't you turn there? I want you to see these. Exodus 21, verses 15 and 17. You might be shocked to hear what God had to say about this. Again, he knew this was such a critical issue for the health and continuance of the nation that he said in Exodus 21, starting in verse 15, And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Verse 17, he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, I know that that sounds harsh, and yet God needed to speak very definitively on this subject because he knew a lot was writing on the behavior of children in relation to their parents. See, children that didn't respect their parents and were rebellious in the home, God knew would grow up to be rebellious and dangerous in society, and that would lead to all kinds of problems. And we're seeing the results of this being played out every day in our own society, aren't we? Especially in the urban areas where many teenagers are violent and rebellious because they didn't receive the discipline and the guidance that they needed when they were younger in the home. Maybe the reason for that was because many of these kids have come from broken homes, that's true, where dads have abandoned them, so the dads are gone. Moms have to work all day to support the kids and herself. Or sometimes the mom herself is a drug addict, and so the kids are basically left to fend for themselves. But I'll say this to you. If a child in those formative years, those early years, is not taught by their parents how to respect authority, which is, of course, their moms and dads, first of all, their authority, is not given the proper guidance and discipline in their lives, if that doesn't happen, what happens is you wind up with a Proverbs 30, verses 11 and 12 generation. Let me read it to you. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. And folks, we are living in this generation. Not that all kids are like this. I'm not saying that. But I think you'd be blind to look if you didn't look out at the world we live in and see that so many young people are completely out of control. They're rebellious. They're proud. It's a generation that doesn't respect authority. A generation that doesn't think they do anything wrong because there is no ultimate right or wrong. It's whatever feels good. It's all relative. So they're pure in their own eyes. And yet God says they haven't been washed in their filthiness. They're still sinners. See, this is the generation we're living in. Young people that, because parents have not done what God has said in the home, these kids just are out of control, and it's just a shame to see it. We're all living with it. I mean, it's just amazing to see the very things that God tried to spare us from happening because our country no longer follows what God has said. It's always amazed me. This government has thrown God out of schools. And then when some kid walks into a school with a couple loaded guns and begins to pick people off, students and teachers, immediately, you know, people begin to ask the question, well, where was God? You threw him out of the school. You told these kids they couldn't pray. There was no God. They all came from animals. And then it surprises you when they act like animals? 
There's no moral absolutes. There's no day of accountability coming. And so we treat our kids that they weren't made in the image of God, but came, you know, it's like the psalmist said, you know, that man was made a little little lower than the angels. But today, kids are being taught, no, you evolved a little higher than the apes. Should it surprise anybody when these kids act like animals? This is the very generation that Paul talked about would characterize the last days in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now, in the last days, we would see rebellion by children against parents escalate to a level that we've never really seen it before. Something else, though. When God says, says to children, and we'll end with this before we move on. When God said to the children that they were to honor their parents, the Greek word for honor is a word that not only means to reverence, to hold in awe, and value at a high price, which of course must be the attitude of all children towards their parents. But in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, Jesus quoted that verse from the Decalogue, honor your father and mother, and he interpreted honor to mean financial support, not just respect for your parents and and reverence for them as your parents, but also to financially take care of your parents. It's the same way that Paul used the word honor in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, when he said, and I quote, let the elders who rule well, in other words, let the pastors and elders in the church, if they're doing a great job, if they're leading the people in the ways of God and, and they're teaching the word of God faithfully to the people, let these be counted worthy of double honor, the word we get a word honorarium from. In other words, Look, if you have a pastor that's doing a great job in, in leading God's people, being an example, teaching him the word of God, pay him enough money so he can continue to do that. And Jesus is applying that to parents. He is saying, look, as long as our parents are alive, we are to honor our parents with respect and obedience when we are young and with respect and financial support when they are older or we are older. I think of what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, verse 4. He said, If any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. This has led some to adopt the 2020 rule. What does that mean? Well, very simply, put your parents to care of you for the first 20 years of your life. You make sure you take care of them for the last 20 years of their lives. That doesn't mean you can't put them in assisted living or anything like that because sometimes they have medical problems that go beyond your ability to be with them 24-7. It just means that you, that you make sure that they have what they need. Make sure that they're taken care of. So Paul said that children obeying their parents, first of all, it's right. Secondly, it's scriptural. I'll give you the last two quickly. Thirdly, it is for the best interests of the children. Look at verse 3. The first part, Paul said, Children, obey your parents, verse 3, that it may be well with you. Look, I'm approaching my 30th year in ministry. And over those 30 years, I've observed a lot of people. You know, you get to be a people watcher uh, when you're in ministry. You know, you learn a lot from watching others in the good things they do with their lives. And, of course, you learn things by watching some who are not living so well things that you can maybe then pass along to others to say look don't do this because so and so did it and i'm telling you it was not good 
But over those years, I have observed many people who grew up with little or no instruction and discipline in the home. Maybe their parents were, were both working day and night, and they just weren't around, and so they kind of were latchkey kids, and they kind of got raised on the TV and MTV and who knows what. But I've observed that those people that really did not receive the kind of guidance, instruction, and discipline from their parents that they needed when they were growing up, that here's what happened when they became adults themselves. This is not true of everybody, but this is what I've seen more times than not. First of all, they can't maintain a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex. I've seen these people married three, four, five, six times. Number two, they can't hold a job because guess what? They can't be under the authority of others. If they were not trained as kids to respect the authority of their parents, if that rebellion was never disciplined out of them, as the Bible says, uh, rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction or loving discipline will drive it from them. And we're not talking about beating your kids, believe me. Loving discipline. And so because that rebellion was never disciplined out of them when they were young, it's carried into their adult life. Now they can't be under anybody's authority. they got a chip on their shoulder. They won't listen to their bosses, especially their guys, women bosses. So they can't hold a job. They tend to be in and out of prison. They don't have any social skills. So consequently, they don't have any friends. They tend to be miserable, lonely people who turn to drugs and alcohol to help them cope. They are a mess. Is it any wonder that God said in Proverbs 13, verse 24, he who fails to lovingly discipline their children hates their children. But he who loves them disciplines them promptly. I've also seen that children have grown up in loving homes where the parents were godly, godly examples, who taught their kids the word of God and gave them guidance and instruction and loving discipline, they tend to grow up well-adjusted, law-abiding, and respected members of the community who others want to honor because they are model citizens. So for kids to obey their parents starts them down a road in life where they will begin to respect everybody in their life that has authority over them. Remember, Paul launched this entire section on marriage and family with verse 21 submitting to one another in the fear of God. And all Paul meant by that was at some point in our lives, we are all going to have to submit to somebody who's an authority to us. When you're younger to your parents, when you get older to teachers and the laws of your society, and, and if you go into the service, your commanding officers, and, and so on and so forth. And when we teach our kids when they're young to respect authority, our authority, it sets them down a path where they are on their way to being well-adjusted, law-abiding, respected members of society. And Paul adds one more benefit for kids obeying their parents. He says at the end of verse 3, it leads to a long life on the earth. Let me read those first three verses once again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. There were others that preceded this commandment, but they promised something bad was going to happen if you didn't obey. This is the first one that promises something good if you did obey. Is the idea. Verse 3, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. 
Paul is quoting again from the Ten Commandments, and it's interesting that when God spoke this to Israel, honor your fathers and mothers, that it may be well with you, the way God worded it originally was, and that your time in the land, that you might prolong your days in the land that I'm giving to you. Now listen to me. I don't believe this is one of those ironclad promises. I believe it's a principle for life. I've seen some people who were very godly and respectful to their parents, and they died young. And, of course, some that didn't honor their parents, and they lived a long life. I just believe that Paul is laying down a general principle for life here. Let me read you what J. Vernon McGee said. I think he really hit it. He said, and I quote, This statement means that glad obedience with an attitude of honor and respect creates the conditions that tend to produce a long, healthy, happy life. Obedient children live constructively and productively, and they are less likely to fall prey to self-destructive temptations and snares like alcoholism, drug abuse, juvenile crimes, laziness, poverty, and other forms of foolishness and rebellion. Every day our newspapers are filled with stories of young people who have gone astray, who have been killed in a drinking spree or by a drug overdose or in gang violence. So is obedience important? Absolutely. It can be a matter of life or death, end quote. Young people, let me just say this to you. I know that when you get to be a certain age, I was there, believe it or not, many years ago. In fact, it was last millennium. I was young myself, okay, a long time ago. You know, I remember those days. When you get to be, you know, 15, 16, you think you know everything. It's amazing to me how that, when I was about that age, I knew everything. The older I get, the less I know. It's because the older you get, the wiser you get, the more you realize, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. But you're coming to a point where you're no longer a kid, you're becoming an adult. Maybe today you're 18, 19, you are an adult. You can leave anytime you want. You don't have to be under your parents' authority anymore. But you would be wise not to throw out the window everything that they have taught you, especially if they're Christians. Because I, I'm here to tell you that they have taught you God's word. They have taught you what is right. And to do it is beneficial for you. You know, a lot of people don't want to become Christians. You know why? I can't have any fun. If I became a Christian, I wouldn't be able to have any fun. You Christians can't have any fun. Because you know what? You know, you have to just go to church all the time and, and, and read your Bibles. And you don't go partying. You can't go out drinking. You can't have any fun. First of all, I'm having a ball. All right? I wasn't born a Christian. I did a lot of things before I got saved I'm not proud of. Let me tell you, I wouldn't go back to those days for anything. Oh, yeah, I had a ball. You Christians can't have any fun. You can't, you know, you can't get cirrhosis of the liver. You can't get AIDS. You can't check into the Betty Ford Clinic and get dried out. You know, you can't have any fun. Why do you think God says not to do certain things? Because he wants to keep you from having fun? You think God is some kind of a cosmic killjoy who just sits up in heaven going, how can I make them miserable today? Look, I'm a parent. My wife and I have raised three beautiful kids. We just sent our baby to college this week. We drove her down to Illinois State, helped her move into her dorm. She's on her own. 
I would hope that now that she's really out from under our authority, although we're still paying the bills, I've got that over her. <laughs> Believe me, I will milk that. <laughs> as long as I can. I know that we have instilled in our kids God's word. Now they're adults. They're out on their own. They don't have to obey it. I've got one who isn't obeying it. He's a prodigal. But we have taught our kids what God has said, not because we didn't want them to have a good life, but because we wanted them to have the best life possible. That's why God does it. You think he says these things, don't do this, don't get involved with that because he wants to keep you from having fun. He knows that that behavior will be destructive. He doesn't want you to get venereal disease. He doesn't want you to get AIDS. He doesn't want your life cut short by some senseless, senseless act of violence because you were hanging out with people. You know, bad company corrupts good morals, the Bible says. God says don't do certain things because he loves you and wants you to have a healthy, blessed life. That's why Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, especially the first seven chapters, you can read them, as a father exhorting his children who were grown now. He says, look, don't discard everything we've taught you about God. In fact, hang it like a necklace around your neck so it's always in front of you. So when you go out into the world, you will apply what we have taught you because it is wise. It will be well with you. And you'll stay away from destructive behavior and you'll have a long life on the earth. Young people, please be wise. The world is not your friend. The world is telling you, hey, don't listen to those parents of yours. They're Christians. They don't know anything about life. The world wants to pump into your brain all the things that the God says are wrong to do that the devil's saying oh yeah just like the garden of eden right god says don't eat this fruit devil comes along and says don't listen to god he's trying to keep from you something that's good he knows if you eat the fruit first of all it's delicious secondly your eyes will be open you'll be like god god doesn't want the competition do what you feel is right that's what the world wants to tell you just do what you feel is right and the bible says there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end, thereof is the way of death. If you've grown up in a Christian home, you cannot, well, you will not accept your parents' faith forever. At one point, it's got to become your faith. You're in a transitional phase, young people. It's up to you now to decide if everything mom and dad taught you and everything your Sunday school teachers taught you when they brought you to church, your parents brought you to church all those years if it was really valid, if it was a bunch of baloney, and you're going to discard it all and do your thing. You're at a crossroads. Are you going to accept the faith of your parents and make it your own? Or are you going to write it all off as foolishness like the prodigal son and just go out there and just party and do whatever you want? That's up to you. God says that's not wise. And parents, let me just say this to you. We'll close because I really want to focus on this next week. If you love your kids, teach them to respect you and to obey you. It's not always easy. Some kids are very strong-willed. 
that nothing is more important and everything is at stake. I am appalled at the way some parents allow their children to treat them and talk to them. When we raised our kids, the one thing we never wavered on, we were always on the same page, Cindy and I. Those children never disrespected us. They never talked back to us. They never called us names. We didn't tolerate it. And you know what we have wound up with today? Three beautiful kids who love us and respect us. I have noticed an interesting thing. Maybe you have two, you parents. You ever notice when your kids, when they were little and they were early acted up, really rebellious, and you kept trying? You know, I, I'm a softie, okay? People that write parenting books will tell you that I did this all wrong. You know, I, my first response is not to get the paddle into spank. My first response was to try to reason with the kids. You know, I love my kids. I don't want to have to discipline them. But sometimes they push, and they push, and they push, and you're like, come on, stop it, stop it, you know. Finally, grace runs out, and the, the judgment comes. I mean, it has to be that way. And so I got the paddle out, bend over, boom, like I said last week. You know, I never beat the kids with the paddle on the, one, on the butt. That was it. Go to your room. You ever notice this? After a few minutes, they come out of their room, come up to give you a big hug. Kids want to be disciplined. They don't want to set the parameters. They don't want to feel they're in control. That makes them very insecure. They need to know you're in control. They need to know you're laying down the guidelines because they feel secure in knowing they have boundaries. Parents, I can't stress enough. If you teach your kids to respect you and obey you when they're young, they will love you and they will respect you and they will honor you all the days of their life. If it's in the name of some misguided attempt to keep them liking you, you don't discipline them. You watch. When they get to be adults, they won't respect you at all. The very thing you didn't want, you're going to bring. May God give us grace to do it His way. He created the family. He's telling us how it functions and how we are to do our, what our roles are in the family. And if we obey God and do it His way, guess what? Our families will be blessed. Our kids will grow up the way God wants them to. They will go on to be godly adults and godly parents who will train their kids. And each generation will pass down to the next what God has said. May God give us the grace to do it His way. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness and grace. Father, we are all children of yours. Those of us who have received Christ, we are all your kids. And we need to learn, Lord, to obey you in all things. You don't want to discipline us. You're a very patient, loving Father. But because you love us, you will discipline us if we persist in our rebellion. It's because you know. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is, is iniquity and idolatry. It will only bring heartache and judgment into our lives. And Father, you want to bless us. You don't want to have to judge us. So Lord, give us grace as your children to obey you in everything. And then Lord, as parents over the kids you've given us, give us grace, Lord, to be the kind of parents that you want us to be. 
obedient to what you have called us to do. And give our children hearts that desire to obey and honor us because we want them eventually to honor you in all they do. Father, we thank you. We just praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.